decision desk has called Pennsylvania for Donald Trump. This means that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United Kevin States. Kevin Spacey, eight people who work on House of Cards reportedly accusing the star of sexual harassment. The rare phenomenon that sent hordes of Americans scrambling for tinted glasses and an open view. It's been 99 years since a total solar eclipse swept from coast to coast in the U.S. RV provoking an unfolding flooding disaster in America's fourth largest city, Houston, Texas. The Houston Astros are world champions! Tonight here a warning about Facebook. Now says he has tremendous guilt about the social network he helped build. We have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. The new provocation from North Korea. What could be the most dangerous yet? A new missile launched being called a breakthrough. A successful test of an intercontinental ballistic missile. Possibly capable of reaching Alaska. North Korea's official statement celebrating the launch, promising to root out what they see as the U.S. threat. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, as amended, is passed. The Pittsburgh Penguins again are the Stanley Cup champions. So over the last several weeks here in our services, we've been involved in a series of sermons we've called Word in the world. And we've been looking at scripture to see what Jesus would say regarding some of the events that are going on in our world today. And I think you would agree this has been a pretty eventful year, hadn't it? I mean, we got a new administration, tax reform just passed, the stock market has been up, and, and even with those positive things, we still have division. Accusations and, and piercing words going throughout our country. 2017 saw sexual misconduct rock Hollywood, the media, and politics. Terrible shootings in Las Vegas and a tiny Texas town. Three major hurricanes, Irma, Harvey, Maria, plus storms and droughts and floods costing hundreds of billions of dollars. I think all this chaos and confusion, all this stuff going back and forth is pictured, is captured in the Academy Award blunder. You guys remember this? The Academy Award. <laughs> for Best Picture. You're impossible. <laughs> Come on. La La Land. We lost, by the way, but, you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. That was a little embarrassing, right? You know, it's important, isn't it, that we get the message right? And the Oscar thing doesn't even compare to the message of Jesus and what's at stake there. If Jesus is just a baby in a manger, if that's all he is, if Christmas is just about 
doing some Christmas parties, going to a Christmas Eve service, fighting some traffic, going shopping, doing a thing with the Christmas tree, giving gifts after the service tonight or tomorrow. If that's all Christmas is, then we really don't need to think about, even talk about what Jesus says. In fact, he can't say anything. He's just a baby in a manger. But if Jesus is who he said he was, if he is indeed the King of kings, and if he's the Lord of lords, if he's the one who came and died on the cross for our sins, if he's the only way we can have a relationship with the living God, then we need to know what he has to say, and he speaks to every situation in our life. What I want to do this evening is to skip the Christmas story and fast forward 30 years. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's teaching. He's healing. People are like flocking to see him. And on one day, he sees this great crowd coming. And so he goes up to the side of a mountain so he can have an acoustical strategy as he speaks to the people. And there he gives what's called the Sermon on the mount. Jesus said these things other places in Scripture, but it's amazing how he captured so much of his teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. He dealt with things like anger and lust. He dealt with things like marriage. He said marriage is a man and a woman for life, and you need to be committed to it. He dealt with things like retaliation. When, things, when people do something against us, we're not to retaliate. That eats us up instead of doing any good. He talked about uh, not focusing on treasures on earth where, where, where moth and rust destroy, but he said, pay it ahead. Focus on treasures in heaven where nothing can ever destroy. And then he spoke about kind of what we've been talking about, kind of this chaos and, and confusion and anxiety and disruption that we're experiencing in our country. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And, and Jesus was using some basic things. He was using clothing and he was using uh, what we drink and what we eat just as the basic things to describe all of life. Don't, you don't have to worry when you follow him. You don't have to worry about that. And then he explains why we don't have to worry. Look at verse uh, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we wear, or what shall we drink, or what shall we, what shall we eat? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then, and then Jesus gets to the very crux of the matter. This is what he has been building toward this whole message. He says this, instead of seeking all that stuff, but in contrast to that, here's what you seek. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then 
everything else takes care of itself. All these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God is a phrase used throughout the New Testament. It simply means this. Kingdom is a place where a king reigns, right? And the kingdom of God is the place where Jesus reigns. So Jesus says, seek my kingdom. Seek the place where I reign. Follow me. Serve me. Bow before me. Worship me and my righteousness. All the things that I instruct you to do, they're all for your good. They're all for your benefit. Seek my kingdom, my rulership, my leadership over your life, and the things I've instructed you to do, and then you don't have to worry about anything else because all these other things will fall into place. All these other things, you've taken care of the most important things first. Seek first these things. Do the most important things first, and then I'll take care of the rest. Now, the question is, how do we make Jesus the ruler of our life? And that's the question I want to deal with in the time we have remaining. I have four verses I want to share with you. Here's how we make Jesus the ruler of our life. Here's how we make Jesus the ruler of this kingdom that he says later on is now within us because he wants to rule our life. Four things. First verse is this. It's Romans chapter 6, chapter 3 rather, verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, and it doesn't worry if it offends us or not, you are a sinner, and I am a sinner. All of us have sinned. That happened back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and like a poison at the beginning of a stream contaminates the entire stream, so their sin has contaminated us all. We don't become sinners because at some point in our life we sin. We sin because we are born a sinner, and that sin separates us from God. We fall short of God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that there is nothing we can do on our own to work our way to God. You, you can be the best person at work. You can be the best employee. You can be the best employer. You can be the best student. You can be the best husband. You can be the best wife. You can go to church, not just Christmas Eve, but all the time, and you cannot be good enough for God. In fact, Isaiah 64, 6 says this, our Best effort is as filthy rags to God. So think about that. Your best effort on your best day, think about that, falls so far short from God's holy standard that it's like filthy rags to him. It'd be like if you and I went out to Route 19 and we tried to hit South Hills Village from here. You guys have been to South Hills Village lately? Yeah, a little too much, right, this time of the year. If we tried to hit South Hills, I think about three or four miles from here, you might throw, we took a ball and we tried to throw a ball and hit it. You might throw it further than me. I might throw it farther, further than you. But no one in here is going to hit South Hills Village. We can't do it. And so it is with our lives. There's no way we can work our way to God. We're not going to be good enough. That's bad news, isn't it? Bad news even gets worse. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of our sin is death. The penalty or the result of our situation is death. Not just physical death. We're all going to experience that. But the Bible speaks of a spiritual death, an eternal death. So we're talking here about heaven and hell. 
We're talking here about eternity with God or eternity separated from God. We are separated from God because of our sin, and that separation deserves death. Now, I don't know about you, but that's bad news. What would you think of a God who left us in that situation? Well, he didn't do that, did he? In fact, that's what Christmas is all about. Romans 5, 8, for God demonstrated his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we had our back turned on God, while we didn't care about God, while we had no thought about God, while we were ruling our own little kingdom of our life, God loved us so much. He demonstrated his love to us that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And Jesus took our sin. First uh, Peter says he bore, he carried our sin in his body on the cross. Remember Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus took our sins up on him and he died in our place. He died as our substitute. He died instead of us. And there's one thing left to do. It's trust in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works so that no one can boast. Trusting in Jesus Christ is saying this, I have come to the place in my life where I admit I'm a sinner. I can't do anything about it. I can't work my way to God. My baptism doesn't do it. My confirmation classes don't do it. Nothing I can do can put me in a relationship with God. So I trust in Jesus Christ alone, fully God, fully man, who came and died on a cross for my sin. I am trusting in his death for mine. He died in my place, and I'm trusting in him. That's what a Christian is. Have you done that? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God? And by the way, remember that, uh, remember that Academy Award thing? You see how confused? Was it Warren Beatty, right? See how confused he looked? Parents. We don't want to give the wrong message to our kids, do we? We need to know that message. We need to trust in it, Jesus. And we need to make sure we clearly demonstrate that message to our kids so that they're not looking at the card that should say Jesus and it says la-la land. And they live in a spiritual la-la land. How many kids have now grown up and they never heard the clear message from their parents. Didn't see it, didn't hear it. Back to my question, have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone? You know, there are sometimes when you're at an event, we've done that here before, where we say a prayer and I have you pray along with me if God is speaking to your heart. Or um, sometimes you've been in an event where you sign a card or you walk down front. I'm not going to do that. I, I think sometimes... I'm going to say it this way. I think it dumbs down the importance of what we're talking about here. And so there are so many people who say, oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer, or I signed that card, or I walked that aisle, but nothing changed in their life. You see, when you truly have trusted in Jesus Christ, things change. 
First Corinthians, Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. There has been a transformation there." And this is not just about signing a card or praying a prayer. This is about giving Jesus the rule to our life. We think of it this way. If we think of saving faith as a coin, there are two parts to it. One side is belief. We trust in Jesus alone as the only way we can have a relationship with him. And the other side of that same coin is repentance. That means we change. That means we are walking one way and God gets our attention and we walk a different way. We cannot become a Christian and continue walking the same way we were when we're not a Christian. And so everyone has to answer the question, right? Some people say, well, I, you know, I, I trusted in Christ when I was five or I went to this confirmation class. Whatever. What difference has it made in your life if you can't show the difference in your life? It's like one person said, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that. If you are on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I'm going to say, if you can say, I don't know if there would be or not, maybe you didn't, maybe you just prayed a prayer or just signed a card, but you truly didn't trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's the only way to have a relationship with the living God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer this to you. We are here all the time, and we would love to talk with you. We would love to sit down with you and explain to you what it looks like, what it means to truly trust in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. We would love to sit down with you, and we would love to explain who this Jesus is and how he can change your life because he will change your life. And if you're not ready to change, you're not ready for Jesus. It's all him who comes in, and he changes us from the inside out. You can email me, rmore at biblechapel.org. You can call us, whatever you want to do. I can't meet with everyone, but I can get you to the right people. And we would love that opportunity. If this is too important just to pray a prayer. It's too important to sign a card. It's too important to raise your hand. We're talking about eternity here. And if you can't say without any doubt, if I died right now, I would, I would spend eternity in heaven. If you can't say that, man, that's a problem, isn't it? So a few years ago, I was in China, and I talked to this girl who, um, she told me a story. Communist China, she was raised atheist, and she said that um, she and a friend, they heard of this party. They were in university, and they heard of this party, and so they went, and it was around Christmas, and they had a great time at the party, and they were on their way home, and she said, I heard a voice say, go back and talk to the host. She said, if my friend hadn't been with me and heard the same voice, I would, I would have written it off as I was just hearing things. But my friend heard it too. Her friend kept walking. She went back and talked to her host. The host was a believer, a Christian, and shared the gospel with her. And that night, she became a Christian. She now serves the Lord in an underground ministry in Asia. Now, I've never had God's audible voice speak to me. And I'm not saying his audible voice is going to speak to you. But I can tell you this. When he calls you to himself, you know it. And it doesn't have to be an audible voice because his voice is so clear. His calling is so crisp in your heart. 
that it is irresistible. And tonight, I'm asking you, don't push down that calling. You know if God's speaking to you. Make sure tonight you are one here who says, I am going to make certain where I am with Jesus Christ. I'm not playing games here with this. We're talking about eternity. And give us the opportunity here at the church with all kinds of ministries. Tunch told you about them earlier. Give us the opportunity to share with you about that person named Jesus. Remember what his name means? The Lord saves. And he wants to save you. And he wants to bring you into his family. And he wants to change your life and transform you from the inside out. Father, I pray for that person or those people you are speaking to tonight. They know who they are and you know who they are. And I pray, Father, that you would move them to do what you are calling them to do. And I pray that they would trust in Jesus Christ alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. And Lord, when they do that, let them know that you're going to change them, that their life is not going to be the same. I pray, Father, that you would work in their heart and you would bring them to yourself. Whether it's tonight, whether it's next week, Lord, in your timing, in your way, don't let that person rest until they find peace with Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that we can seek your kingdom first and your instruction to us, and then everything else, everything else is put in its proper order. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.